We are in the book of Acts. Amen. Praise God. And uh, always excited. It's easy to find Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, we're in the 26th chapter. This is, once again, an easy read and a fun read. And um, we're going to go through the whole chapter. And um, there's a lot of beautiful things in this chapter that is incredible. And we're going to be looking at that. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to read down to verse 12. We will be reading the whole chapter before the night's over. But I'll read fast. Amen. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth his hand, I love this, and answered for himself. I love that. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of, of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be an expert, boy, Paul's putting it on, ain't he, in all the customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. That's my prayer to you today. Hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews. They know what I was and what I am, which knew me from the beginning if they would testify that after the most strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and, and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our 12 tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even under strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, I'm going to stop there because I want to point out some things that, it, that is beautiful. I want to use for a subject, and I'm going to draw this from uh, verse 2. Um, I want to talk about think happy, Paul. Think happy. Maybe seated. That'd be good advice to everyone in this room. Think happy. Do you know you can think yourself sad? Did you know you can think yourself sick? Did you know you can think yourself worried and stressed out? You can think yourself angry. But God wants you to think yourself happy. 
Now, this, I realize, is kind of a play on words, but Paul is getting ready to stand before King Agrippa. Last Sunday night, we talked about how uh, Festus decided that he would get King Agrippa to take and look at the case and, and so that he could find something to send to um, Caesar that would be noteworthy, kind of a, a teaching or something that he could find wrong with Paul. But he couldn't find anything wrong with Paul. And so he's got Paul. Paul is going to answer to King Agrippa. Now, there's some things I want to say about King Agrippa, and I, and I said some of it last Sunday night. But King Agrippa was a worthless human being. Anyone that would marry his sister is a worthless human being. King Agrippa is Herod King Agrippa II. His great-grandfather, Herod the Great, tried to kill baby Jesus. His grandfather killed John the Baptist. His father killed Apostle James, the first apostle martyred in the book of Acts. And on top of that, now he is King Agrippa, or Herod Agrippa, the king, the second. And Paul says, Woo, hallelujah, I get to stand before that rat. Amen. You know, I believe Paul felt pretty confident that he wasn't going to be killed because King Agrippa was out of his jurisdiction. In fact, King Agrippa was the king of the northern area, not part of the providence of Festus. And so King Agrippa was just there being a big shot away from home. That's all a, you know, a big shot's just a little shot away from home. King Agrippa was trying to be the upper crust. And you know what the upper crust is? That's where a few crumbs get together on top. And that's what Agrippa was doing. And he was married to a girl by the name of his sister, Bernice. And it was a horrific situation. And, of course, King Herod Agrippa thought that he was somebody. And so did Festus, for that matter. And Felix, prior to that, they were, all three of them thought that they were quite something. And so Paul gets to stand before this Agrippa, a king. And he says right from the start in verse 2, I think myself happy. I, I'm happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself. I'm thrilled that I get to answer for myself. And someone would ask, well, why was Paul so excited? I mean, his great-grandfather tried to kill baby Jesus. His grandfather killed John the Baptist. His father killed James the Apostle. You would think that Paul would say, well, you'd think he'd swallow his Adam's apple down to his ankles and say, you know, I really don't want to be here. But Paul was quite thrilled that he got to stand before this guy. And so you can ask the question, why was he excited? Because he was going to get to stand before this Agrippa guy, this King Agrippa. And I think he was excited because it was said of Jesus to um, Ananias when, Jesus was uh, when Paul was saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. It was said by Ananias who went and laid hands on 
Saul when he was uh, converted and Saul received a sight. God, Jesus Christ told Ananias that this, um, this Saul that's being saved, Apostle Paul, in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, he says, but the Lord said unto Ananias, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel. You know, you can, you can swallow a lot of things and you can face a lot of things when you know you're chosen. Amen? I'm pretty happy because I know I'm chosen. You say, well, preacher, don't that sound a little arrogant? You're chosen. Don't you sound like, you sound like you're prideful? I'm chosen. No, I'm chosen because God chose me. He first loved me, and because of that, I love him. I'm not chosen because I was super and wonderful. I'm chosen because God is super and wonderful. And, and it makes you feel good that you're chosen. In verse 15, he had told Ananias, he's a chosen vessel, and he shall bear my name for the Gentiles or before the Gentiles. That's good. Paul had been doing that. He got in trouble because he was preaching the gospel of grace to the Gentiles. And that's why they wanted to kill him in Jerusalem, because he was preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. But then it says he not only will preach to the Gentiles and chosen, said he will preach to the kings. There it is. I got my king. I get to preach to the king, King Agrippa. See, that's why Paul thought himself happy. Because he was seeing God do exactly what God said he'd do. And that makes you feel good, makes me feel good when I start seeing God do what he said he'd do. And he will. It maybe takes some time. We don't always have patience. But God will do what he said he'd do. I mean, believe that. God will do what he said he'd do. And so when Paul stood before Agrippa, he not only got remembered what Ananias had told him, and now I realize that Jesus told Ananias this, but there's no doubt in my mind that Ananias told Paul this. And he said, you'll not only stand before kings, but you're going to stand before the children of Israel, governors and leaders. You're going to stand before, well, you know, he's going to leave this king Agrippa, and he's going to go see Caesar, the big king, the emperor of Rome. Wow. Because he declared and he beseeched that he would go before Caesar uh, there to be judged. And so Agrippa's trying not to acquit Paul. He's not trying to help Paul or he's not trying to kill Paul. He's trying to cover the back of Festus. He's trying to help Festus come up with some kind of indictment to send to Caesar. Julius Caesar will have a fit if Paul walks in there and they bring Paul in chains and walks him before Caesar and Caesar says, okay, what did he do? And they said, nothing. I could just see Caesar, my time's more important than you bringing someone in here that there's nothing against him. And basically that's what happened. And so because of that, Paul got, and we'll see it later on in the book of Acts, he got to spend time in a, his own little house. He was under arrest, but he did his own little house. And he led most of Rome to Jesus during that time. Soldier, one soldier at a time. And, and we've seen a lot of great things in the book of Romans about that. Paul, Paul shook the Roman Empire while he was under arrest. Isn't that beautiful? 
He shook the Roman Empire while he was under arrest. You say, well, Paul must have been powerful. No, he was preaching the gospel. The gospel can shake an American empire. The gospel can shake the China empire. America can shake the world, or the gospel can shake the world as we preach the gospel to America or China or wherever. The gospel's powerful, and Paul preached the gospel. You know, if I was a soldier and didn't want to be saved, the last person I'd want to be chained to is Paul. If I didn't want to be saved, that's not, that wouldn't be, you know, that wouldn't exactly be my picnic for the day. But the Roman soldiers, you know, they, they got chained up against Paul. That's another message altogether. But Paul says, I think myself happy to King Agrippa. And he brags to King Agrippa and says, you know, you know something about the Jewish religion. You, after all, your, your, your great-grandfather was, you know, he'd, he'd went into Judaism and, and he had kind of, he was involved with rebuilding the temple and the temple was called Herod's temple instead of Zerubbabel's temple. And, you know, so uh, this, this uh, Agrippa II, Herod Agrippa II, he, you know, uh, Paul knew that he knew something about the Jewish religion, especially his sister, Bernice. And so, you know, he, he uh, Paul says, okay, you, you know what I'm saying is right, and, and you know that being a uh, person familiar with the Jews, you know that resurrection is very possible because the Old Testament talks about it. And he tells this King Agrippa that it's not no surprise to you that one could be raised from the dead. We read that to you just a little bit ago. And so he says, I think myself happy. And some of us need to work at thinking ourselves happy. Amen. I guess I could give it a heading like this, Oh, Happy Day. There ought to be a song like that written. Somebody write that down, Oh, Happy Day. And, and, and Paul is talking about, Oh, Happy Day. Jesus washed his sins away. That sounds like a good song, Oh, Happy Day. And Paul says, I think myself happy. And then he starts telling King Agrippa what made him so happy. He said, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was out killing Christians. I was out putting them down. I was out running them around. I had orders from Jerusalem to go down to Damascus and slam them in jail and drag them back to Jerusalem and persecute them and make them confess and deny Jesus. But he said, on my way at midday, on my way at midday. The first point I want to give you is, oh, happy day at midday. Look at verse 13, at midday. We read to verse 12. Look at verse 13. At midnight, O king, I saw in the way. I love this. I saw in the way a light from heaven. That's Jesus in his way. Some of you need Jesus in your way. Amen? I don't mean you walking in his way, although that's a given. But some folks need Jesus in their way. Some folks that didn't show up tonight need Jesus in their way. Amen? If you're, if you're not living the way you should live, you need Jesus in your way. And Paul was not living the way he should live. He was then called Saul, his Hebrew name. Paul is his Roman name. And he said at midday, Saul is about to have sundown for Saul 
at high noon. Yeah. It was going to be okay at the okay corral for Saul. Because Saul is going to meet a light bigger than him. And that light is going to be so big, it's going to smite him to the ground. Whether he was riding a donkey or a horse or whether he was walking, who cares? God got a hold of him. So it was shining all around me, and them which were journeying with me, they fell too, verse 14. And when we were fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying in Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Wow. That must have hit Paul like a ton of bricks. Paul's fighting this Jesus. Paul says this Jesus is dead. Saul says Jesus didn't raise from the grave. Saul says Jesus is a troublemaker. He's on his way to persecute the church. And then Jesus shows up in his way, slams him to the ground. And Saul says, Who are you, Lord? He didn't know it. And he said, hey, hey, bud, it's me, Jesus. Hey, idiot, get up off the ground. I'm going to change your life. Well, that ain't exactly what it says, but that's a, that's a JLE version, James Leroy version. I had to get that southern part in there, Leroy. Who art thou, Lord? Meaning he's saying, uncle, I give up. And Jesus said, uh, I'm Jesus whom you persecute. Well, he wasn't persecuting Jesus. He was killing other people. Well, if you mess with God's kids, you're messing with God. And when people mess with you, they're messing with God. As a child of God, when they mess with you, they're messing with God. Verse 16, arise, stand upon your feet. <laughs> and Saul got up, stood upon his feet, and for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, now Jesus has given him the 90 degree to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. Paul, they're going to want to kill you, but I'm going to take care of you. Paul, they're going to be angry, but I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to send you there, verse 18, to open the eyes that are in darkness, to turn them from darkness to light and from power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Well, yeah, I'd like to shout amen, praise the Lord, glory to God. That's awesome, Saul. But what would you do if you was knocked down on the ground, made blind, and switched all the way back to your feet? I would be obedient to the heavenly vision too. The problem is we're obedient to the heavenly vision at times, and then after a day or two, we, we wane. We, we, we don't stay where we need. And Paul stayed on track. That's beautiful that you can stay on track. Paul stayed on track. Wherefore, I, O king, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Now, the reason he stayed obedient to the heavenly vision is the next point of the message. 
having therefore obtained help from God. Let's read that, verse uh, 20 down to verse 23. But showed first unto them of Damascus and of Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. In other words, um, Paul said, I was obedient to heavenly vision. I went and preached in Damascus, Jerusalem, throughout the coast of Judea, the Gentiles, and that they should repent and turn to God and, and to do works meet for repentance, like a John the Baptist sermon. For these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Oh, they got all upset. Love this, verse 22. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continued unto this day. That's why I'm still preaching. That's why I'm still serving God. Because I have obtained help from God to this day. Amen? I've been preaching 45 years. And the reason I'm still preaching is because I have obtained of God help. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continued unto this day. Paul says, even under the pressure... I continue because I have help from God. To put that in plain vanilla, help! That'll take you a long ways in the gospel. If you cry out to Jesus, help! Sometimes I have what's called, what I call help parties. I get around, I just walk around all day long going, help! 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 And I'm sending them upward. It's a help party. I'm crying out, God help. Amen? Some of you have pity parties. I have help me because I want to think myself happy. Amen? Don't worry, be happy. That ought to be a song too. But anyway, don't worry, be happy. I obtained help from God and I continue unto this day witnessing both to the small and great saying none other things than those things that the prophet Moses did say should come. That Christ should suffer, that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. What did he do? He preached the gospel. He's telling King Agrippa, Jesus died and he rose again from the grave. I think myself happy. I'm thrilled because God slammed me at midday and he touched my life and he took me strength and gave me help along the way. And God changed my life and gave me eternal life. And God chose me, lifted me up, strengthened me, gave me the power to move on in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm still in the program of God, still moving in the things of God because I've obtained help from God. Well, Festus. You know, that name just sounds like a troublemaker, Festus. Wait a minute, he was the good guy on, on uh, MacDillon uh, Gunsmoke. He's a good guy. Kind of had a funny walk, but a good guy. And as he thus spake, this Festus governor for himself, Festus said unto, with a loud voice, Paul! Thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. He said, Paul, you're crazy. 
Get out of your mind. And that's what some of your relatives think of you right now because you go to church, you believe the Bible, you believe Jesus, and they think you're nuts. Amen? But they won't think you're nuts when the Lord shows up and takes us home. Hello? This world's getting real. It's getting real. Very soon the world's going to realize that we're not nuts. They are. The Lord's coming soon. Come on, I ought to have an amen right there. Verse 25, but he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus. I'm not sure I would answer it that way. But speak forth the words of truth and soberness. Verse 26, for the king knoweth, Agrippa knows these things, before whom I also speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from Agrippa, him. For this thing was not done in a corner. That's another point of the message. We don't have a God. He's not a corner God. This thing's not done in a corner. Jesus Christ was not crucified in a corner. God didn't so love the corner that he hid his son. Everything God did, he did in the open. He did by his power. He did not do this in a corner. He did it for the whole world to see. And I want you to know there's no such thing as a secret rapture. There's no such thing as a silent, nobody knows he came and God is, it's gonna be known around the world when Jesus shows up. It's not a secret. It'll be suddenly and it'll be powerful and it won't be done in a corner. It'll be done by the power of God and we'll be gone. And it won't be silent. Only silent to those that don't want to listen. And it'll be loud when it happens. Loud and clear, you missed the train. Loud and clear, you missed the boat. That's why I'm preaching on Revelation. I'm trying to tell everybody, make sure you tell your loved ones that God's grace and mercy will still be here. Even in wrath, he brings peace and love and forgiveness. Because this thing was not done in a corner. Everything we're seeing right now is not done in a corner. God's love is not done in a corner. His salvation is not provided in a corner, although he reaches the corners of the world, but it's not something that was hidden. Now, the church itself was a mystery, and it was hidden in the Old Testament, but it was not hidden for the purpose of disguising it. It was just hidden for the purpose of Israel to turn to God and get their hearts right toward God and when they refuse God, then God raised up the church, and one day he'll take us home, and he'll turn back to the Israel. We've been seeing that in the book of Zechariah. But this thing was not done in the corner. I love the rest of this chapter. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that you believe. Paul says, King Agrippa, you believe this? You know? You believe the prophets? King Agrippa, you know what's right. You know that there's a God. You know that there's a resurrected Savior, or can be. Maybe you didn't personally know him, but you, you've been told it's not done in the corner. I'm sure that, that Herod Agrippa had heard about Jesus of Nazareth rising from the grave. I'm sure that he heard all those things. And so Paul says, King Agrippa, you know these things. I know that thou believest. 
That don't mean bleeds with his heart. It just means I know that you understand that. And then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost now persuadest me to be a Christian. Wow. Now there's a sermon. Almost persuadest thou me to be a Christian. Almost made heaven my home. Almost missed hell. Whoops. The hell you'll go if you don't altogether believe and trust Jesus Christ. Almost. And Agrippa says, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. But he says to Bernice, honey, let's go. Let's get out of here. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but everyone that hears me were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. Paul says, I would to God that you and everybody else were all together like me, trusting Jesus Christ. I wish you were just like me, except these chains. It's on my hands. And when, verse 30, he had thus spoken, the king rose up, the governor and Bernice. I don't know what he called her, come wife or come sister. You know, there's just something in me that, but anyway, he married his sister. Now notice, that wasn't even a cousin. I mean, we had a president that married a cousin, but this is a sister. He said, what president? I'm not, I'm not in politics tonight, sorry. And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up, and the governor, that is Festus, and Bernice, that is uh, Agrippa's sister, and they that sat with them, and when they were gone aside, they had a little chat, little talk. They talked between themselves, saying, this man has done nothing worthy of death or bonds. This Paul, he's done nothing wrong. And then King Agrippa says to Festus, this man might have been set at liberty if he, not, if he had not appealed to Julius Caesar. So off to Rome, next chapter, he goes. Paul's sent to Rome. And I do believe that the book of Acts, O Theopolis, probably a lawyer or great leader in the first, we talked about that last Sunday night. Luke wrote the book of Acts, sent it to O Theopolis. Theopolis had the book of Acts in his hands, and I, I really believe that all this stuff sent to O Theopolis was actually a legal brief for Paul when he stands before Julius Caesar. But when you're Julius Caesar, you're going to do what you want to do. You're going to live the way you want to live. And things didn't always work out good for Paul in this situation, but eventually Nero comes along, and Nero chops Paul's head off. But I want you to know Nero, who took Julius Caesar's place, when he chopped Paul's head off, before Paul's head hit that wicker basket, Paul was in the arms of Jesus Christ. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now Paul's going to be going off, and he's going to get on a ship, and they're going to go on this journey. And chapter 27 is going to be a stormy chapter. It's going to be rough waters, windy, rough, choppy. Chapter 27 is going to be a big storm and big trial and big breakup of the ship on his way to Caesar. And eventually he'll arrive there in chapter 28. And from there you see much of the book of Romans materialize. Because there's where Paul, by the power of Christ, just almost completely saved Rome through the name of Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? I love the book of Acts. This is an easy read, a fun read. And I'm thankful for the fact that uh, we can take this scripture. It's so, it applies to us. It really does. Um, I've enjoyed preaching the book of Acts. And someone said, well, you'll be done in two weeks. I don't know. It may take two weeks to do chapter 27. It may take two weeks to do chapter 28. I'm in no hurry. But I love the book of Acts. And I'll, and I'll say what, we'll probably be done with Zechariah in a couple of weeks. That's probably true. Because chapter 13 only has nine verses. We probably will get done with that in a couple of weeks. But the book of Acts, we may have a little bit longer. Revelation. I think the Lord's going to come before I get done with it. I'm sure hoping and praying. Hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope he shows up. And so it's so exciting. How many love, how, how many just love to get together and go through the Bible? Isn't that good? I love this. I love, I love to be able to study the scriptures and enjoy the scriptures and learn from the scriptures. What a great God. Let's all stand. Told you we'd get through this chapter. Herod Agrippa II. He couldn't help poor old Festus. But the reason he couldn't help poor old Festus is because Paul hadn't did anything worthy of death. And because everything was in suitable position, Julius Caesar allowed him to have more liberty. But obviously, Paul was not guilty. Guilty of loving Jesus guilty of loving Jesus in the first degree. That's all it was. He was guilty of loving Jesus. Guilty of being saved. Guilty of being a Christian. That's the God we serve and I hope everybody in this room is guilty of being a Christian. I hope everybody in this room is guilty of being born again. Guilty of loving Jesus Christ. Guilty of making people uncomfortable when you get around them because you're more pure because of Jesus. You don't act like the world. You don't talk like the world. And they, they're uncomfortable around you. And it's not the cologne you're wearing or not wearing that's bothering these people. It's the Jesus you're wearing. It's the Jesus that lives in you. We're going to give an invitation. As I said before, we always give an invitation. 
And there's one reason we always give an invitation. And that one reason why we always give an invitation is because other churches are not. And I think it's still, the gospel still is an invitation to people. Altar's open. You want to come and pray and talk to people?